Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. What God is it that would bring a people a man out of Ur the Chaldees, bring them into the land of Canaan, start a people, bring them to Egypt, a type of the world, and then bring them out of that. And through all the trials and the turmoils and the, the idolatry, lead them into captivity in Assyria and then in Babylon, and then ultimately bring them back into their land. And then in 70 AD, be scattered by the Romans. And then in 1948, now, May 19th, or May 14th, 1948, be drawn back together again after nearly 2,000 years of being dispersed throughout the, country, throughout the world. What God can do that? Well, the God of Israel. Welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ. Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 4 in the book of Deuteronomy today by explaining how God led the nation of Israel through trials, tribulations, and blessings during their journey to the promised land. Pastor Rob teaches that God is long-suffering and always faithful in His blessings to His people. The same holds true for us today. When we place our faith and trust in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, we also become His people and not just His creation. God's love for His chosen people of Israel is a picture of how His love, long-suffering, and faithfulness is with us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's message. The Bible says, and in fact, in Exodus chapter 19, 19, he says, you're my peculiar, you're my treasure. That's what he said to them, right? And then the, the, the Lord says the same thing to the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 7. He says, you're a peculiar people. You're my people, the people I love. I purchased you. And then finally in Romans 12, we know, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Living sacrifice. I'm sorry, I quoted the wrong verse, I think. Better read it. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's God's desire for us to, to be um, holy to be separate. G. Campbell Morgan said this. He says, The church did the most for the world when the church was least like the world. Let me read that to you again. He says, The church did the most for the world when the church was the least like the world. But today, we got to do all these slick things to get people into the church. And you know, when you do those kinds of things and your church balloons and, and, and you have a lot of people all of a sudden you can't continue telling the truth any longer because you've got to keep up the fuzzy feelings. You've got to keep up the hype. And you've got to compromise on the truth to keep those people coming and paying the bills for the building 
projects that you have when you see all those people coming. Well, we've got to build a bigger barn. All these people are coming. So churches, they, they, they spread out. They get a bigger place. And now they've got to continue feeding them this marshmallow fluff to get them to continue to come. And if they start teaching the Word of God and they start getting convicted and they start going back to doing the thing, all of a sudden the people start going away. And now what are you stuck with? A mortgage that you can't pay. So it's always better to start and to continue at the foundation and let the Lord build the house, right? So the church did the most for the world when the world was the least like the world. Verse 24, he says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. You know, we think of jealousy in our culture. It is an ugly thing. My mom, as you many of you know, was a police officer, or was. She's retired now, but my brother is a major in the police force down in Florida. And they, they would go on calls all the time of jealous husbands, jealous wives, beating on each other, killing each other, stabbing one another, shooting one another. But the kind of jealousy that God has is a good jealousy. Because when we go after strange things, God is saying, I know what's best for you. You go down that path, and that path only leads to destruction. So I want to keep you from that. God is jealous for you because he knows what's best for you. He knows that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life by Jesus Christ, right? And so he always wants to, like a hen does her chicks, he wants to bring you in under his brood and keep you safe. And when we are obedient, we are the safest there in his arms. Verse 25, when you beget children and grandchildren have grown old in the land and you act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but you will be utterly destroyed. It's true that whatever it is that you worship, you will become like that thing. If you worship a God who is capricious and angry and murdering and hateful, you're going to become like that God. And so as we walk in the Spirit, as we become closer to Jesus, His very nature ought to be more, our nature should be more like His. There ought to be more grace. There ought to be more truth. There ought to be more compassion. There ought to be more love, real love. That's not based upon circumstances. You know, he was on their case about idolatry. I used to be an Eddie Van Halen worshiper. My name's Rob Kellogg. I worshiped Eddie Van Halen. I did. When I was my teens, I used to I played the electric guitar. And you'd laugh if you saw pictures of me. I had the long hair. I had blonde hair. And, you know, I had long hair. And I had the checkered shirt. And I had uh, wanted a guitar just like Eddie. You know, I wanted to have the... Uh, the Kramer guitar with the homemade uh, wax-dipped, handmade home humbucker pickups, you know, the little quarter that was nailed to the side, you know, the cigarette burns on the side. I wanted, I wanted Frankenstein, which is what he called his guitar. I wanted that guitar, right? And you, you can ask my mother, my room looked like a Van Halen shrine. I had posters, all this stuff. I looked like a, it was all red, white, and black, you know, from the stripes and all the stuff that he did. And, um, but that's what I did. I worshipped him. And I, I, I was becoming like him. That's what I wanted to be. It's really a grace that the Lord got me out of that. He took me from loving the guitar to getting into the classical guitar, and then everything changed. And then he got the classical guitar, and he brought me to faith. 
and he brought me up to Rochester, and Rochester brought me to this church, and the rest is history. You know, it's funny how he, he takes an idolater like myself, and, and he weaves this wonderful pattern, this tapestry of my life, and I had no idea where I was going. Didn't know I was even being led, but he was. He was leading me. I didn't even know it. In my foolishness, God was leading me, and I didn't even know it. And Isn't that true of your life, too? He leads you. You don't even know you're being led. He's so good like that, you know. And there came a point where I really wanted his will to be done. And if you really want his will to be done, guess what? You've got some good news for you. You will. You will find out. And he will reveal it to you. And you may make some corners and turns and may take some time, but he's going to get you there if your heart is really desiring what his will is for your life. You will find it and you will get there. He says, Verse 27, and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And that's exactly what happened to them. And there you will serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which don't see, they don't hear, they don't smell. And this is what they did in Babylon. This is what they did in Assyria when they were taken captive. But verse 29 says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And I would encourage you to seek the Lord with all of your heart and all of your soul. Don't let anything get in the way of your relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering or patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's heart always. He says, verse 31, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. And we don't have the time to go there, but um, we're going to look at some verses here in a minute. But God, is, he looks after his people. In Psalm 121, verse 4, it says, Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither, Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. His eye is always fixed on his people. And as a child of God, you are his uh, apple of his eye as well, just as you are to the Jews. He's never left them. And what is this covenant that he was speaking of concerning his fathers? Well, it was the covenant of the land. And there's a bunch of verses here, and each one of these starts with Abraham. And God gave to Abraham the promise that his his descendants would be like the sand of the sea, and that he would inhabit all of this land, the land of Canaan. And he spelled out in very many verses, different verses, the actual outline of, of the perimeter of this land. And in Genesis chapter 12, he gives it to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 26, he gives it to his son Isaac. In Genesis 28, he gives it to Jacob. In Exodus 30, he gives it even to Moses, who was a son of Levi, who was a son of Jacob. In Numbers chapter 4, verse 21 through 24, he gives it to Joshua and Caleb from the tribes of Israel as well. Verse 32. For an ask now concerning the days that are past that were before you since the day that God created man on the earth and ask from one end of the heaven to the other whether any great thing like this has ever happened or anything like it has ever been heard. Has anything like this ever happened? That God has done with the people of Israel? You know, some people said, prove to me that there's a God. And I remember one guy actually had the wisdom to say, he says, Proof, give me one reason to believe in God. And I forget what it was, but he said, Israel. <laughs> Israel. What God is it that would bring a people, a man out of Ur the Chaldees, bring them into the land of Canaan, start a people, bring them to Egypt, a type of the world, and then bring them out of that 
and through all the trials and the turmoils and the, the idolatry, lead them into captivity in Assyria and then in Babylon, and then ultimately bring them back into their land, and then in 70 A.D. be scattered by the Romans, and then in 1948, now May 19th or May 14th, 1948, be drawn back together again after nearly 2,000 years of being dispersed throughout the country, throughout the world. What God can do that? Well, the God of Israel can do that. And he still has a future for them, and he has a future for us as well. God is not through with them, and he's not through with us either. He said, did any people, verse 33, hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live? The answer is no. Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war? by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? The answer is no. This has never happened to any other nation. Somebody says, prove to me that there's a God. Say, study Israel. (laughs) Go home and read about it. There's many other things, too, but that one thing is enough. You look at Israel. Is there any God who has done this to any other people? You know, we don't have time to go through these. I've got a bunch of these. But I love this because he says, verse 35, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God, and there is none other besides him. None other besides him. And these verses that are up on the screen, I would encourage you, you can take a picture of them, you can come up afterwards, make a list of these things because they're really going to encourage you in your worship of God. And um, maybe I can just, um, hmm, let me see here, how far do I got to go here? Um, mm. I would, I would just encourage you to write them down. I'm going I'm to give you one of them. Let's just look at, um, I'll give you two of them. In Isaiah 42, verse 8 and 9, he says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. What an amazing God we serve. Let me pick a shorter one here. In verse uh, 45, verses 5 and 6, he says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me. And And he says, that you may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. And the rest of these verses are just hammering that away, hammering that away, just reiterating that fact, there is no one beside me. And we serve a triune God, but he's one. Right? What did God say to them in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, I think it is? He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt worship the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Right? One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 36, Out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might instruct you, and on earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them, and he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power, driving out from before you nations greater, notice that, greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you the land as inheritance as it is this day. And in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, if you get a chance to read that, it's really sweet because God is basically saying, I did this not for your sake, Israel. I did this for my sake. I did this for my sake, not for your sake. I loved you, but I did this for my sake. 
Verse 39, Therefore know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven, above and on earth beneath. Notice, there is no other. There's no other God. He doesn't know of any others. And if God doesn't know of any others, then I don't know of any others either. Amen? (laughs) Verse 40, You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today. And why? That it may go well with you. Notice, If you do my commandments, it's for a good reason. There's a good cause in it. It's not just because he wants you to obey just to be obedient. No, he has a design, a plan for your life. He wants to bless you. And if we are obedient, there are blessings. If we disobey, it will destroy us. Eventually, it brings death. That it may go well with you and your children after you, that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God has given you for all time. Notice that, for all time. The land is the Lord's, and he gave this tiny piece of land the size of Rhode Island. He gave it to the Jews as an everlasting covenant. And you know they're always fighting to keep it. Yesterday there was a news clipping on the Times of Israel, and I don't have time to read it, but I'll summarize it really quickly for you. They are. They're they're always fighting for their existence. Ever since their birth on May 14th, 1948, they've always been on the run. They've always been having to fight for their existence. Yesterday in the Times of Israel, the, the, the title is TV Report, Israel Silent as Iran is Hit by a Computer Virus More Violent Than Stuxnet. Stuxnet was a virus that they, uh, was planted by the Mossad, we believe, or a combination of the Russia, or I'm sorry, uh, Israel and the United States collaboration. They installed a computer virus in Iran's nuclear centrifuge process. It's all run by computers. It has to run. Those centrifuges have to run at a certain thing certain rate, and they infected the computer system to not do what it should do and messed up those centrifuges, destroyed the whole process. Well, they just recently did it again, and and now everything is messed up, and it was even worse than the Stuxnet virus. Now this one is even worse. And, um, but, you know, they have to fight for their existence. They always have. Well, you can read that. If you go to Times of Israel, you can read the article. I've got it, actually. I could send it to you, but it's really interesting. So let's go on to verse 41. Verse 41 through 43, uh, and we'll finish up here in just a second, are called the cities of refuge east of the Jordan. Remember, we're still east of the Jordan. We haven't crossed over yet into the land of Canaan. And it says in verse 41, Then Moses set apart three cities on this side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun. And where does the sun rise? It rises in the east. It always has and always will. And where does it set? In the west. Go figure. What design? (laughs) That the manslayer, and this is the purpose, that the manslayer might flee there who kills his neighbor unintentionally. We're talking about involuntary manslaughter. That's what this is. You kill somebody by accident. You're out golfing on the golf course at uh, Eagle Vale, and you don't notice that your friend is standing right next to you. He's he's on his phone and not paying attention. You take your, your, your nine iron, and you wind back like that, and you hit him right in the temple. Boom, down he goes, dies. (laughs) Carlos laughing yeah see men laugh women are going oh that's horrible and all the guys are going wow that's cool no well the guy dies unintentionally you you love this man he's your best friend but you weren't paying attention he wasn't paying attention bang he gets hit with a nine iron he goes down dead it's called involuntary manslaughter so he's saying if this ever happens something like that where it's unintentional there's no anger between the two of you and 
the relatives of the man who died, all of a sudden, they, they're going to come after you. <laughs> so you've got to flee to one of these cities of refuge. And so he says, without having hated him in time past, and that by fleeing to one of these cities, he might live. And, and here he gives the names of them. Bezer in the wilderness on the plateau for the Reubenites. Remember the, the Reubenites, the tribe of Gad, and also the half-tribe of Manasseh, they were on the east side there of the Jordan. So Bezer was in the plateau of the Reubenites. Get Ramoth in Gilead for the Gadites, and way up top there in the north, Golan in Bashan for the Manassites. We don't have time to go there, but I'd encourage you to write down this verse. In Joshua chapter 20, verse 7 through 9, it gives all the, the cities of refuge, the ones that are on the east side of the Jordan and the ones that are on the west side of the Jordan, because each portion of the children of Israel, those on the east and those on the west, they would have to have three different cities on each side, where if something like that happened, the manslayer, the person who was involved in involuntary manslaughter, could go and he could be safe. And the elders of those cities, they would judge the cause and see if it was really true. And if it was, he could stay in that city, and the manslayer, the person coming after him, couldn't touch him. And then at the death of the high priest of that time, whenever he died, he could go back to where he lived, and he was to be free and the manslayer wasn't supposed to touch him. I wonder how often that really worked out. Because to me, if the, the, uh, you know, in our day and age, if the high priest died and the guy went back to his normal place of his town that he lived in, the manslayer is going to come after you anyway. But maybe they, they obeyed God in this. I don't know. But that was the design for uh, a city of refuge. And I'd encourage you to read Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 1 through 13. And that really kind of goes in more detail about, uh, and I summarized it for you for the sake of time, but look at Deuteronomy 19, verses 1 through 13, and also in Numbers chapter 35, uh, verses 6 through 28. And so even in the, the cities of refuge, we see God's wonderful plan of redemption because we know that we are guilty and we are hiding and we are not free. We weren't free until our high priest, Jesus, died. And when he died, we are now made free through his blood and his death on the cross. And so no longer are, is the judgment upon us. The death sentence is no longer upon us. And, and here what we have here is a type, really, of Jesus Christ. And so be encouraged that even as you read through the Old Testament, we come across things like this. These things are all pointing. It's teaching us something, even in the Old Testament. It was like the gospel was in the Old Testament concealed. And that's really what it was. And this is something that was concealed, that, that they just did this, and they didn't know at the time the, the real end of it all, the purpose of it. But we know the purpose of it. We can see Jesus Christ in it, right? Can you see him in that? Him being, you know, the high priest dies, and all of a sudden the manslayer is free. Our high priest died, and therefore we have made free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the exhortation in your word, Lord. We thank you that we, would, we could learn from the example of the things that are written here for us in, in Deuteronomy. And as we get into Joshua and Judges and Ruth and Samuel, Lord, we look forward to just the things that we're going to learn about ourselves and we're going to see the things of, of how you dealt with people, Lord, and that you have never changed. You've always remained the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You are a God of compassion, of great mercy. 
Lord, you're a God who loves to the uttermost. And so, Lord, may we uh, be so willing to receive your love tonight, Lord, regardless of our day, regardless of the sins that we've done. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.